Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. Assalamu rahmatullahi What's going on? Uh, today we have the pleasure of having uh, Mufti Niaz Hanan and uh, Yusuf Hussain join us for the season finale episode for season two. Full house. Full house. So we have uh, Dr. Shadi, uh, Brother Elias, and uh, Brother Saad, as usual, uh, joining us. So today we have a uh, very packed episode. Um, so the episode uh, is on Tasawwuf. Critical. Alhamdulillah. So really where I want to start off is, since it's a long episode, um, is, you know, open up the floor uh, to Mufti and Dr. Shadi first. You know, can you explain, you know, just the basics of what the word tasawwuf actually means? The word tasawwuf itself? Yes. <clears throat> According to what we were uh, taught about the word <clears throat> tasawwuf is that every discipline they named themselves something based upon that discipline. So people who understood the law became called the fuqaha. People who spoke about philosophy and um, refuted it, uh, aspects of it that were uh, unacceptable, they were called the mutakallimun. Okay? People who were reciting Qur'an, they were called the qurra. But now when it came to the matter of ihsan and purification, they shied away from, if they had called themselves what they were f- f- focused on, like the Muhsinun or something like that, uh, that would be a claim. Right? It would be right. a claim. And Allah says, anfusakum. Don't praise yourselves. So they had to find some other name to refer to this uh, intentional focus upon self purification. And at the time, the habit of those people was that they would always wear the cheapest and you know, least expensive, least refined garment which was wool, which is Suf. And that's the origin of the word Sufis. Mm-hmm. I got two other theories, by the way. Assalamu alaikum. Okay. Um, tasfiya, the word Tasfiya, which is similar to the word, in Urdu we say Safai, which means literally to clean. Purify. Right? Um, and one of the names of the Prophet wasallam is Al-Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? And another theory is Ashab al-Sufa. Right? People who were with the Prophet wasallam all the time 24-7, not involved in any of the other kind of worldly matters outside of the masjid, learning and benefiting from the suhbah of the Prophet ﷺ without any other type of distractions or commitments. But Allah knows best. Yeah, so that's basically, these are some of the things that are said about the etymology of the word, the origin of the word. So again, we have examples of specialization from the beginning, right? Like Dr. Shadi mentioned, we have people who specialized in the law, specialized in recitation of the Qur'an, right? And, you know, we can take this back to the verses of the Qur'an itself. And we have Sahaba radiallahu anhu specializing in that way as well, as we'll hopefully, inshallah, be able to discuss. So how does this differ from, say, fiqh, for example? If someone were to say, how does this differ from fiqh or aqidah or something? A very big difference is that this is looking at inside the human being himself. This is... The outward action of it is objective. The result is only between a person and Allah. Okay, and ver- and sometimes the specialist can recognize some of the signs because this is about the inner states of a person. It's about the inner states. Tasawwuf is all about curing the ills that are inside. So we have three dimensions. You got your intellect, that's aqidah, your body, that's fiqh, and you have a, a, a heart, and that's tasawwuf. And the heart is what feels and what has sensations that are 
it's really hard to express, right? It's not like I can express it like a taste of food. It's very similar to that, right? But I can give you a food to taste. But my reaction to something else internally is very hard to express. And that's why this subject matter is so subtle and represents the highest level of expertise in all the Islamic sciences because they did break it down into a science, right? So hey. fiqh and tasawwuf, right? These things originated from the mission of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? What's the mission of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? We have the dua, all right, of our grandfather Sayyidina Ibrahim Khalilullah alayhi salatu wassalam. Rabbana wa ba'ath fihim rasulam minhum yatlu alayhim ayatihi wa yuzakkihim. I'm making Correct. one, two, three signal with my fingers. Wa yuzakkihim wa yuallimuhum al-kitaba wal-hikmah. Four times. Right? So... Sorry, Rabba, excuse me, I made a mistake. Rabbana wa ba'fihim rasulam minhum yatlu alayhim. Ayatihi wa yuzakkihim. Wa yu'alimu kitabu al-hikmata wa yuzakkihim. In the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam, wa yuzakkihim comes at the end. Yeah, in the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam in Surah Baqarah, it comes at the end. When Allah accepts the dua in Surah Ali Imran, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ Tazkiyah comes second. Four duties of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, responsibilities. Um, number one is wahi, revelation. That door is closed, mm-hmm. Right. And um, I checked, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed was not there when the Prophet <laughs> When the Prophet I gave a khutbah about this. When the Prophet led all of the imams and all of the Anbiya alim salatu in Masjid al-Aqsa, right? Because we just... Oh, you're talking about Mirza Ghulam, liar. Okay. No, no, no. I just looked it up. I don't know what he was or... No, he's a liar. I know, I know what he is. No, because <laughs> the month of Rajab... Either liar or insane, one or the other. The or, month paid. Of... or paid. Three options. Liar, insane, or paid? Maybe all three. Maybe all three. <laughs> <laughs> right? The blessed month of Rajab just passed, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Right? MashaAllah. And the Prophet Sallallahu one of the most amazing miracles, right, is the Isra and the Miraj. Yeah. Right? And, okay, fine. If he claims wahi, one thing that he definitely can't prove is that he was there when the Prophet Sallallahu led all of them be alayhi salatu wasalam in al-Masjid al-Aqsa. But khair. Not to digress, Mufti, but isn't one of his claims also that he's the return of Isa alayhi salatu Yeah. So he was there as as Sayyidina Isa. <laughs> in his other, in his other skin. You got me there. Because also reincarnation, <laughs> apparently. So tilawa, yatlu alayhim ay. Wahi finished with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is our iman, right? And to reject that is something that endangers our iman. Yeah. Absolutely. As an aside, so what is that thing called when you go on, like, on a Jira or a Wiki where you have those words and like the, the most commonly mentioned words is the biggest? What's that called? You know like what I'm talking about? Word cloud? Word cloud? So I think Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, or what liar. would be the biggest one? Liar? Mirza Ghulam liar. <laughs> he shouldn't even be called Ahmed. It's haram for a Muslim to say that. I never I'm say serious. Ahmadi. I would say Qadiani. I'm telling you. I'm like, no, I can't say it. can't say Ahmadi. Yeah. I, I don't want to say the word haram, but I feel it, if we looked at it, he should not, the word Ahmed should be attributed to him. Ahmadiyyah, that's, that's what we're supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Muhammadiyin I'm like the the Orientalists say Muhammadin I, I love that Alhamdulillah I'll I take it yeah. No the name of the book Imam Tirmidhi Rahimahullah Shama'il al-Muhammadiyah Yeah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Alright let's let's get back Another, So to so So what if I, what if I so, said Well I've not heard of it I don't see I don't see the word In the Quran Or in the Sunnah In the Hadith collections So is this a critical science What it, what would be the sign Of someone who's defective In this science Yeah I mean Before before we even get to that question I'm Yeah sorry four, so no, so that's good To answer your question okay. Like inshallah Four responsibilities Of the Prophet Sallallahu Number one is to Wahi Revelation That door is closed Right This is our iman but the three things that are also mentioned in both verses, right, um, continue. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You have teaching of the book, Ta'alim al-Kitab, mm-hmm. and Ta'alim al-Hikmah, the explanation, the commentary, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and Tazkiyah. So two things here. One is, it's three separate things. Tazkiyah is not the same as Wahi. Tazkiyah is not the same as the Qur'an, teaching and understanding of the Qur'an, despite people who spoke Arabic and Fusha way and more fluent way than anybody alive today. Right? One of the duties of the Prophet ﷺ, responsibilities is to teach the people the Qur'an. Not just how to recite it, not just the tajweed, but how to practice upon it. And then, in addition to that, you have the hikmah, right? There's many different opinions of the mufassirun. What does that mean? Um, some opinions are applies to your mu'amalat and your mu'ashirat, your transactions and your relationships. And then you have tazkiyah, right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he was the mu'allim of the Qur'an, the teacher. He was the mu'allim of the hikmah, the teacher of wisdom, and he was the muzakki. So likewise, after him, you have the sahaba radiallahu anhum. There are people from amongst them who specialize. They were teachers of Qur'an, specialized teachers of hadith, specialized. They were teachers of tazkiyah. Right? Many, many examples. And then as time goes along, people get further and further away from the Prophet wasallam's time. Now you have to turn to the sahaba radiallahu anhum. And um, you know, we're doing nukhbatul fikr, right? So in our safina. In, in our Safina, um, Safina, S- Safina Society Oilim program in South Jersey, mashallah, please make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us. Amin. Safina Amin. South. It's got a great name. Safina South. Safina South. It's got a great ring Alhamdulillah. Maybe we should have another boat name. Like Safina, I don't know. SS something. Anyways. Safina is actually the name of a Sahabi radiallahu anhu, right? We read this one hadith in Mishkat al Masabi, and our teacher who taught us was an Afghani, and was able to present some research. I can't remember properly off the top of my head. He was actually an Afghani Sahabi. Oh wow! So like he was from close to Afghanistan. Yeah, he made. A, he was His name traveling. is Safina, and apparently from... because he was bulky and he could carry a lot of luggage oh, wow. or something like they that. They named him that, probably. Because Allah knows best. Yeah, if he's a native, I apologize for not knowing it properly. Yeah. Allahu anhu, but Allah knows best. Um, we have thousands and hundreds of thousands, and then millions of ahadith, right, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but. And then we also have over 100,000 Sahaba radiallahu at the time of the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How many Sahaba from 100,000 actually are narrating and transmitting hadith? About 100. Not more than 100. Have narrated more than 10. How many do we have? Not, 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 okay, so then um, Sheikh Musa Ferber, one research like note that he posted is out of that many Sahaba, only 132 people were given ijazah to pass fatwa. 132 to give fatawa give fatawa muftis and 20 of them were also sahabiyat female sahabi as well and so now you have specialization happening it's just not possible the empire is ex- spreading islam is spreading you reach a point where now the level of iman and the level of taqwa you have different things happening within the ummah people are not connected to the quran to the sunnah to the prophet sallallahu to allah subhanahu in the way that the Sahaba were able to take directly from the Prophet ﷺ. So now you have people also specializing, just like Quran, teaching Tajweed, teaching Qira'at, teaching Fiqh, teaching how to pray Salah, teaching Du'as, and teaching the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Also speaking about how to perfect your worship, how to perfect your belief, right? And this is now where we get to experiential knowledge, right? And um, so, to answer your question, why do we need Tazkiyah? Okay. As far as when we're talking about this science and we're talking about it being something separate than your du'as, being separate than following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, right? When it comes to 
the zawaid or when it comes to the mu'akkada, the ghayr mu'akkada, you know, those types of sunnah, it's something else. An example where tazkiyah gives us something that we can't get just from fiqh or we can't get just from directly the text of the Qur'an and sunnah, right? We have, I'll, I'll just give an example. What's the difference between the nafs and shaitan when it comes to a person being susceptible to committing a sin? The Qur'an and Sunnah tell us that these are two things, these are two causes why people disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But does the Qur'an and Sunnah explain to us, how do you know if a sin is coming from you as a result of your nafs influencing you or shaitan influencing you? Hmm. Right? Those answers are question, are, are, those questions are answered in Subject the, of the Tazkiyah. Right. Right? So it's called one, Tasawwuf. It got called Fiqh afterwards. It was called Tajweed afterwards. People who are not native Arab speakers, yeah. people who did not know Nahu and Sarf so that they can pronounce the Quran correctly, people who did not see the Prophet ﷺ pray now can follow somebody else, a Sahabi, showed them this is how the Prophet ﷺ prayed. People that were not able to benefit from the Suhbah of the Prophet so you just look at him and immediately you realize the Haqq of Islam. Right, they are talking about those things. Is, is is it correct to say that it might even have salvific consequences? Because I remember there was one hadith I came across where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was asking someone on Yom Al Qiyamah that uh, uh, he just used a study Quran <laughs> word. That's why. Salvific. No, no, it was not. It was not. I, I promise. I've that, never. That just took me back to November 2015, right there. Salvific. Like Salvific. you know the date. Actually, I got the I word the from. Date, uh, the uh, the it was a different paper. The yes. salvific exclusivity yes. of yeah. Islam, um, but. Uh, so I, I know I came across a hadith where Allah was questioning uh, somebody on Yom Al-Qiyamah and as, uh, the person was justifying himself saying that he had spent X amount in the way of Islam and Allah SWT basically says, you lie. You did it so that people could say that yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. spent a lot and then uh, did the same thing with someone who fought in Allah's cause or claimed he fought in Allah's mm-hmm. cause and the same thing, he said, you lied. And then the third was this, the scholar who learned a lot of knowledge and again, so those are outwardly, perhaps those people, they did everything right and they had the right beliefs. So in terms of like if you divide it into Aqidah, they had sound belief. Fiqh-wise, they may have practiced everything fine, but if their intentions were so corrupted, is it possible that in fact... So that's that third dimension and whatever cannot be answered as a matter of doctrine or a matter of law, then you can unrecognize that as a matter of the heart. So all, to so if, uh, the source of it is all the ayahs and hadith that direct a person to the heart. And Imam al-Ghazali, and those before him as well, divided into two categories, that which destroys the heart and that which purifies the heart. Uh, the muhlikat and the munjiyat. So that's how we, we break down our sciences, at, which is a doctrine. We talk about aqidah a lot. Right? That which is a law, we talk about that a lot. Now, and that which is a matter of the heart, and that's something that we we talk about every once in a while, the importance of dhikr in for especially for modern Muslims. And I, I'm of the opinion that no Western Muslim I don't think any Muslim period ever, but especially in this day and age, to have an Islam in which we never study and practice and read the stories of the people of the heart and this subject matter is very dangerous because this is the oil. Tasawwuf is the oil that that uh, lubricates the engine and the motor. And tasawwuf is feelings. Really, if you look at tasawwuf, what Allah is getting us at, how to purify our heart from bad feelings. 
And if you're someone who's in touch with your feelings and your your emotions, and you realize you you never like to have anything inside your heart, well, this is the subject that shows us how to get rid of that, right? And what it exactly it is, and what it entails. Let's say you're a rational guy, right? But you feel miserable about something. If you ask me, right, uh, just just by instinct, I'm going to go with my mind and an objective argument, right, over how I feel. But Tasawwuf comes and tells us, actually, you have to take your heart into consideration, right? And many men are like this, right? Many men, they see a fact in front of them. Two plus two equals four, right? They don't going to consult the heart on how to do it, on how to express that, right? They're, they're going to go with their mind. And there's a lot of danger in this. If you never consult your heart, right? When you consult your heart and see, how is that going to make you feel? What kind of effect is it going to have on you? And what kind of effect is it going to have on the person in front of you? Right. You remember a couple episodes back, and we're not like really referencing previous episodes, but we did talk about the idea that what is our goal? Our goal is to convince people of love of God and His Prophet. Right? So therefore, we have to take, when we look at our arguments, the fashion by which you, you know, express your argument, you have to take into consideration the heart of the person in front of you. So this whole emphasis on the heart and feelings it ends in the realm of tasawwuf, and without it, you end up with um, you end up with a lot of argumentation, and ultimately friction and fission, uh, and division. Yeah, the I, groups breaks apart. I mean, the the idea of the spirit isn't just a Muslim idea, right? Even if you talk to non-Muslims, like mind, body, and soul, right? I mean, that's a very common phrase yeah. that you hear. Even amongst like athletes, right? You need to be mind, body, and soul in into what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? And you see a lot of non-Muslims, and I've run across a number of people now, uh, which is, you know, they, they go to the gym, they, they, they read a lot of books, and then they also, like, take a lot of, like, you know, meditation classes, yeah. right? It's like a thing now. Yeah. And, and it's because there's clearly a lack of that soul element uh, that, that that people need. It's part of no, the They, understand, they right? understand the need to be able to concentrate and focus yeah. on something Absolutely. and not be distracted, not waste time, and honestly, not waste energy. Without right. Islam and without Mashaikh, I would be totally confused with all this stuff because it's so subjective, right? And also, the one who's talking to you about it, to what authority is he appealing? Right? Someone who's coming telling you about meditation. Is this something that is a rational science? Right? Is it a rational science? For us, it's a revealed science, and then it's learned by experience, right? It's a revealed science. So f- without this revelation, it's so subjective, right? And that's why these the yogis and these groups, you know, they make these little, uh, uh, you know, operations and get a, a like a, what do they call them? Little storefront or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And then later on, you realize it's a studio. They get a nice little studio, and you realize later on it's a scam, and they're just having sex with each other. Right? <laughs> because it's so subjective, and they've, <laughs> they've submitted to the guy I agree. because you can't see it. All those cults always devolve into that, by the way. I'm everybody's husband now. There's a crazy documentary so, on Netflix. Um, just on this subject. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think one of the things that will that'll help us, that, or that will help this conversation or guide the, the episode is... Just to expand on detail on the hadith that Yusuf quoted, so there's a lot of rich uh, stuff happening in the hadith, obviously. Which one did you quote? The hadith, uh, so I'm going to go through it in okay. more, more detail. So it's the first person, it's on the day of judgment, a man who died shaheed on the battlefield is brought before Allah. And Allah says, you were honored with this death as a, as a shaheed. Um, what, what was your, uh, 
what did you do with the honor of being a, a soldier for Allah? He said, I fought valiantly and I died for your sake. And Allah says to him, you lie, you did it so that the people would say you were brave. Mm-hmm. So there, and then the next one is a man who is given facilitation with learning. And he says the same, and you lie, you did it so that the people would say that you were learned it. And then the wealthy man who was given a lot of wealth. There's the lack of shukr to Allah, which is fundamental. Mm-hmm. How, can you, how can you have been given these tremendous blessings and not have been thankful to Allah and shown the proper shukr to Allah, right? And then the other thing is riyat. And riyat in the biggest acts of worship, right? Fighting fisabilillah, teaching Quran, spending for the sake, spending on the people and spending money, and riyat and all of that gets you cast into the hellfire. Yeah. And these are two things that you don't learn from fiqh. Like you can have a, f- a fiqh book that says riyat is haram. Yeah, that's great. How do you get rid of it? Because and what every single yeah, even if it explains riyat is this is doing things for the sake of other than Allah, yeah. right? Okay, and you can give a whole explanation and give details and draw, and draw uh, charts and graphs. But at the end of the day, how do you change the heart of a human being that grew up wanting the attention of others mm. and wanting others to say, oh, look at what a good Muslim this guy is, or look at what a good athlete he is, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So how do you get rid of that? The only way to do it is to have someone teach you how to do that. Mm. And very few people are able to do that. It's not, a, it's not something you're going to find in every corner store. It's not something you're going to find in every masjid. It's not every imam. From every from every uh, from every message that you go to, this is something that's very rare, and so it's and, uh, and and this is one question I've always had: like, can a person just walk over to any imam in a masjid and ask, you know, about advice on the sawwal? Can I just this is, can I elaborate on Alex's point? Yeah, just, yeah, just to take it way back, way to the top. Is mm-hmm. so. What is the goal of the science? I mean, yeah, we say purification and you know remedying certain illnesses or defects within the heart, but then even what's the point of that, right? Just to make it very simple for everybody. I mean, ultimately, I think we would all agree the whole goal of everything in religion, all the sciences of the religion, is earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, avoiding His wrath, and also increasing in love of the Prophet sallallahu and avoiding His wrath. I think mm. any science worth anything has to have that. That's it's actually a great point, because mm. what you just did was a type of, uh, like a mind mapping tool of, you. Uh, let's talk about the end first. That will clarify everything in the beginning. Yeah. And that's going to even separate us from other groups like we just mentioned, the yogis and all the other spiritual groups. There are spiritual groups. There are also legal groups out there, mm-hmm. right? There is constitutional lawyers. There are a lot, so that's like, that's, so it's not going to be confused with fiqh. So the purpose is, uh, I think that all of the ulama talk about is the perfection of our slavehood to Allah Azza wa Jal, to be a good, to, to be a slave in the right way, right? Sheikh, I'm from Philly. So yeah. I want to take the Philly approach. Okay. Right? It's the fourth best city in the world, by the way, for all of our listeners. What, what are we talking about here? Philadelphia. Philadelphia Philo- City. Are you talking about cheesesteaks? Fourth, fourth cheesesteaks, cheese Wawa, and soft pretzels. Oh, is, oh my gosh. Okay. Is, is, is Philly and even Rocky, really a city? It's the city of champions. <laughs> it's the city of champions. I got a brand new phone case. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> up until recently, it. you guys had a statue of a fake boxer. <laughs> And who, who, was a, who was white instead of the actual black superstar boxer, <laughs> Joe Frazier? Oh, my God. <laughs> Smoking Joe. Uh... Anyway, so, <laughs> you know, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَ In Surah An'am, ayah number 120. Critical. As CD said, right? CD Alex, Tazkiyah has things that you can't get from fiqh, right? So fiqh tells you what is haram, interest, certain types of uh, business practices, certain types of foods, right? Certain acts of worship, ways that you perform it that are not permissible, and certain things that you must do, right? And if you don't do it, then those are outward sins, right? 
This verse of the Quran in Surah An-Naam, verse 120 is saying, Outward sins and inward sins, you gotta leave all of it. Inward sins like what? Arrogance, pride. Some of the examples that the Alex just gave us, right? Um, showing off, vanity, um, stinginess, right? Um, you know, uh, wrath, right? All those different types of examples. The inner sins, the batin, are just as haram as the outer sins. A drop of arrogance is just as haram as a drop of alcohol. It's worse. Consuming. It's worse, if anything, right? And even the most secular of Muslims, right? One thing that we don't see them, ha- we don't see happening all over, like in public, is consuming pork or those types of yes. things. Yet, right? But do we understand things like sincerity? Do we understand things like arrogance? Do we understand things like stinginess? Do we understand things like um, pride to be as detrimental to ourselves, right, as the outer sin? Do we have the same repugnance for these inner sins like the outer sins? So this is where now we have to understand these are human conditions. Well, let me also look at another angle Go for regarding it. these conditions. Is The question is, if we're supposed to have this all this balance, right? We have a lot of things in Islam, and the main even the Sahabi said, uh, "Ya Rasulullah, There's so many things in Islam. Like, when do I know when to do what? Right? So you got Quran. We talk about memorizing Quran, giving sadaqah, doing. Th- so the question is now, when do I need my dosage of tasawuf? And I'll make it really simple, and it it is really simple. As soon as one recognizes that the heart has now been clouded over. And darkened with the ashes of lust, envy, hate, greed. When you feel that, right? And you have to be in touch with yourself. Aggression, all these things. You're, you have a your lack of, you need some to solve. What, what if somebody doesn't even feel that though, right? Like is, is, like what if they don't know? If they don't know, well then. So you have to quarantine, right? You have to quarantine. You have to go to a masjid where there's no fundraiser. Go to a masjid where there's no um, board 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 elections happening. Go to a masjid where there's no other dinner happening. Just go there for ten days, for three days, for forty days, for four months. Recite Quran, recite, um, do some dhikr, and give some sadaqah, and stay there. After a period of time, right, you'll be able to do toba, and you'll be able to. You mean Light the pilot fire in your heart over and again. Or get married. Or get married. There you go. Oh, no, well, if, okay. number two. <laughs> so you, you just said you do those things, you'll attain that serenity. So you'll now know. It starts with Toba, right? Yeah. It starts with taking this deen seriously. Right? It all, starts with the intention, I got to stop committing sins. I'll yeah. tell you one of the, it's sort of a hard thing, but people forget their childhood. And in childhood, you felt good, right? Mm-hmm. You always felt good. You are at peace. There's no envy. There's no hatred. There's no greed. Whatever problem happens at two seconds and you're smiling at two seconds, right? People forget their childhood. If you want to go to the most prim- primitive approach to this, if, he, if a person can remember the happiness and peace and, 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 and sort of happy-go-lucky innocence of childhood, really that is the representation of serenity. And if that's gone from a person because of the tumult of adult life and responsibilities and competitions, right, then, you know, to self can get that back. I, I, to to touch on what you said right before the statement about how you know, you know that you need it because you're you're clouded by the anger and the greed and the enviousness and the pride. There's also another time when you're going to need it, and it's when you've when you've sort of conquered all of those things outside of with with non-Islamic uh, with a non-Islamic direction. So, for instance, you're someone. 
that's you love everybody and you're generous and you're kind and you're giving and you never want to you never want to upset anyone and you want everybody to be you know no competition and but you're doing it to please the people rather than for the sake of Allah and your barometer is not is this something that Allah wants but rather is this something that these people want and it's going to make the people happy and I just don't want to upset people right because one of the other conditions uh, one of the other vital states of the heart is to love and hate to uh, be okay. motivated only by the pleasure so, of Allah. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, that's a very, very important right. point, right? Like the, the point of the salaf isn't to cure the diseases of the heart. It's to cure the diseases of the heart for the sake of mm-hmm. Allah, right? Because somebody can say, like, there's a non-Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta, we we separate between methodologies right. and, and objectives. Goals. Objective. Yeah. Right? That's what we said the most important yeah. thing and is the goal. Yeah. Out of the three sciences, I think... The most severe to get wrong in a meaningful way is Akida, right? I mean, yeah. we don't have to be an expert in Akida, but if you're going to get one completely wrong, then Akida is probably going to yeah. be the most consequential, you right? Game over real quick. But once you have the basics of Akida, yeah. and let's say the basics of fiqh, and as far as you know that you have to pray, you know you have to fast, whatever, I guess my, my, it would seem to me that once you have the basics of those two, then Tazkiyah or, or Tasawaf is the most important in terms of. Um, Attaining closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm just thinking, you know, without analogy, obviously, but I'm thinking, let's say if I have kids and I have one who does everything right, but he's just like, he just doesn't seem to show much, uh, like, doesn't seem to like me or show love to me or anything like that. Yeah. And I have one, another one who has all his flaws, he does all kinds of, you know, stupid things, but, but he know. always comes to me in love. You know, it would seem like having that uh, purity of heart and that love towards Allah. With defects in the other two, mm. right? As long as they're not serious ones, it would seem to me you'd be or limitations. You could say. yeah, limitations in those, yeah. right? Because wrong Akiva here would be the kid thinks you're not his father. Yeah. <laughs> or your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Aren't you my uncle?" <laughs> or he doesn't. Or he thinks you're his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, so that's why we can never separate the three. Right? We, we, we get too dangerously close to the transgender topic. <laughs> oh my goodness! So we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna well, no, we can, that's why you can never separate the three. That's the right. Thing, yeah. But I and, think that uh, what to your point, what actually permeates every single day of every yeah. every every uh, day of life mm-hmm. is this subject. Like Akida, you might not touch upon it, right? Unless you go on Twitter. <laughs> or something, or something. Oh my goodness! But I mean, Aqidah—you might not touch upon it every day, right? Fiqh—you might not see a subject matter on fiqh except once in your life, like inheritance. Might only really need it once or twice in your life for like thirty minutes, and that's it. But and that's very important in that thirty minutes, right? It's almost like, again, it's it's like aqaid You have whatever. The summary, right? The best iman is like the iman of aunties, right? Yeah. You don't have to know all the details or be able to describe the sifat and stuff like that. Well, I believe well, in Allah and be steadfast. One good example is in a home, how many, if you own a home for 30 years, how many hours, you can count the hours in which you actually focused on the plumbing or the circuit breaker, right? Mm-hmm. But how many hours did you spend like making sure the kitchen looked clean? Like all mm-hmm. three it's times, a, three times yeah, a day, <laughs> because if the kitchen doesn't look clean, you're not happy in your home, and who's not happy in their home, they're not going to be happy in life, right? So likewise, the heart needs cleaning, like daily, 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 and it's it's almost like in the the in the past, it was very hard to get your home dirty. It's almost like if you're uh, if you don't live with dirty people, like two two adults living together, the home is going to be clean, right? But once you have like five six kids, it's a mess all the time. Likewise, I feel the tumult of modern day life. We are so exposed 
with gunk, to, to gunk of sin, temptation, you know, this, what we hear, what we see, it's around us. We're breathing it in almost. Yeah. Right? If, if you could yeah. breathe in a sin, it, 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 it'll happen, right? Yeah, that's you, what you, that's you, what you, I feel you, like we're, you have we're like, smokers almost. You have like the Sahaba of the like of the heart. Tar we're smokers. Bombs. Yeah, <laughs> that we got tar in our spiritual hearts. That's what we are. So we need a constant dose. If anything, in this era, more than any other era, exposure to listening to Quran, to reciting Quran, to making dhikr, to reading the stories of the Salihin, it should be something that's like air to us because we need it so badly. Oh, Sahaba radiallahu on whom people like Abu Bakr radiallahu he's number one he's the greatest of human beings after all of them Bi Ali feared hypocrisy Hanzala radiallahu on who feared hypocrisy right and both of them are like debating who's larger of a hypocrite right and these are radiallahu on whom right so the ability to kind of understand that right that is also can what I, we can understand and appreciate from this topic of the soul of oh, can yeah. we talk about some symptoms so the, the average listener out there we want to know some symptoms. Lack of interest on a daily basis in the book of Allah, in the messenger, peace be upon him. And I'm not even going to say 24 hours a day you're interested. Because even we said Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Hamdala, they, mm. they felt like hypocrites because they went home and they were totally interested in their families and their businesses, right? Which is halal. <laughs> and that's halal, right? They thought they were hypocrites. But the Prophet said, if, if you were thinking about uh, paradise and hell and Allah and his messenger... Even in your homes, 24 hours a day, the angels would come down and shake your hands. But what we're saying is, at every day, a Muslim whose heart is, is connected, is clean, he will have a moment at least of affinity and desire to draw near to the book of Allah, to the messenger, to listen to some dhikr, to do some dhikr. It'll just be instinctive, like, you, I got to do something today. So if it's not touching in a 24-hour period, right, then... Uh, if it's not coming in a 24-hour period, that's a symptom of darkness and of rust on the heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, right, when we, the, the, you brought up dhikr, right? Ya dhikran kathira. Like it's an amr, do it a lot. Okay? I had an interesting interaction with an uncle recently in our community. Um, you know, someone came back from Hajar Umrah, right? And um, there was a discussion about doing a particular dhikr, doing a particular weird or tasbih, certain number of times, right? And the, you know, well-mean, well-meaning, you know, elder mentioned that, you know, I don't want to restrict things, or I don't want to limit things, because Allah has not limited me in the blessings that He is giving me. So I don't have to do it this many times, or I have to do it in this way or this form, kind of like allergic reaction to it. Mm. But... Allah doesn't say, do a little bit of dhikr. Allah says, do as much dhikr as you can. Like, maf'ul mutlaq, right? With kathira added onto mm. it. And the verse of the Quran in Surah Nisa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about the hypocrites. Yura'una nasa wa la Allaha illa qalila. Right? What do they do? They show off to people, and they're not remembering Allah a little bit. They're remembering Allah only a little bit. Which, which goes to show... <laughs> It's, not, it's specifically talking about salah, right? But yeah. the word dhikr, I mean, one of the possible interpretations could be taken in that way. Allah knows best. But Doing a little dhikr is not enough. Doing a little bit of dhikr is it hypocrisy. Didn't, it didn't cure them of the hypocrisy. Nope. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, having a short, uh, a, a uh, big gap in your spiritual or your, your cleanliness spiritually 
sometimes that manifests a lot in the religious context because you have people who want to be seen. They want to be seen in the front row. They want to be the ones. I've seen people that just market themselves as speakers, like unsolicited. They'll be like, oh, if anyone wants me to come to a halakha, I'm free. I'm available. I can come and lead the talk. So there's, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's they more come, people like that yeah, than I'd like. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, shaitan <laughs> plays with everything, right? So sometimes you start something with a good intention, but then he'll find a way to kind of twist it, right? To take a, the sincerity out of it and inject his, you know, filth into it. So, Well, that's, that's where knowledge comes into play. So... If, if I might, just to just to reorganize some of what we said, there are just like there are haram actions and and obligatory actions. There are prohibited inward states and obligatory inward states, and you have to learn them and you have to know how to get to them. Um, is there anything that uh, Mufti or Sheikh Shadi you can recommend aside from traveling to some place where there is a Sheikh that everybody recognizes and that has mm. is and has a silsila? and has real authority and has studied with real ulama and can be verified, not just some uh, huckster. <laughs> huckster. Um, well, is, there, uh, is, there, is there anything, is there, are there any resources that are available to the general public? Well, one of the very simplest things, and that's something that the first thing that I learned, if someone has any wiswas, darknesses, any of these things in the heart, is dhikri la ilaha illallah. And it is to be said in the thousands so as a medicine, like you said, okay, they gave you a number. Well, look, you go to a trainer, he gives you, do 10 push-ups a day, do 50 push-ups a day. He's judging based upon experience, right? That's a very good example. Yeah. So when the, when the scholars give adhkar in this manner, they know there's an experience. There's a, they see the benefits of. And in one, some cases, they'll give 12,000 la ilaha illallah in one day or when divided into two days, right? So... That's the type of, or you, some of them by time, 30 minutes a day, 5 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. So the point is that if someone sits down, just like you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym and check your text messages, have a sandwich, chit-chat with your, with your mom, right? <laughs> or chit-chat with your wife. You do one thing, yeah. and that's gym. And you go to the setting, and you get in the mood. Well, dhikr is no different. And it ha- this has to become a norm in Muslim life. Dhikr is no different. That I have a little room. This is my spot. I'm, lo- I'm no one's coming in, and I'm going for 20 minutes, right? Then the same way that you do the treadmill, you time yourself and you get off, and you say, "Okay, I, I did my my thing for the day." 20, 30, and 40 minutes of la ilaha illallah, and keep it simple. Yeah, and and that's you. you, you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you gave a, gave a great example, and I've never really thought about it before. But the idea, you know, when you go to the gym and the trainer says, or you, or, you know, just yourself, it's like oh, I'm going to do, you know three sets of 12 or three sets of 15 or whatever it may be, you know, nobody says there, you know, why am I limiting myself? Yeah. Let yeah. me, let me continue, you know, till, till as much as I can do, you know, uh, it's because, I mean, technically, yeah, you can go as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. And I think it's the same with Vipra, right? Like the, the, the people who understand this science know that if you just go till infinity, you're just going to burn yourself you out. Can yourself. You can harm yeah. yourself. You can harm yourself. Something that's done consistently, even if it's, in, if it's in small amounts, is better than doing it, going all out one time and then never doing it again. Well, you know? <laughs> well, I got a Dalil for that. Right? Well, when you... Prophet Sallallahu And no one who says, well, listen, I went and I have, you know, um, Tim is my instructor and he said do X, Y, and Z and don't eat A, B, and C. Yeah. 
right? No one's going to say, well, Tim doesn't create your body. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that you're like, are you making a God next to, next to uh, right? Tim putting him next to God? No, he's an expert in this matter. But we cannot fathom in the modern world that there is a type of expertise on something that is unseen in this cell, in this sense. That's really interesting. As you a know? matter of fact, you're right. Because yeah. somebody could come and say, you know, to a gym trainer, like you don't see Salafi saying to gym trainers, oh, you know, they, they're not, they, they haven't given us this in the sunnah, right? Yeah. You can't do 12 reps of uh, push-ups, you know, uh, or whatever it may be, right? Uh, you know, this is, you know, you need yeah. to do more. <laughs> You'd be surprised, actually. There's, there's people that go, that's not from the sunnah. The sunnah is wrestling, horseback riding, oh, yeah. shooting arrows, and swimming. Now, I want to drive this point <laughs> home based on Alex's question, Saad's question, and what Dr. Shadi said as well. Um, you know, when it comes to murshids and when it comes to picking somebody well, to go to, you have to go to a, a spiritual we... guide. Excuse okay. me. Murshid is the Arabic word for spiritual guide. Um, again, specialization. These are human conditions that we have to deal with. Increase in praiseworthy attributes, right? And, you know, good things. Right, good characteristics, akhlaq, and decrease or inshallah eventually expulsion of the blameworthy attributes as well. Hopefully, we are able to understand by now that this is something separate than fiqh. This is also something separate than aqidah. Aqidah and fiqh guides us, and then we, you know, beautify it through tasqiyah. And when it comes to knowledge, just as a quick side note, um, depending on who you are, what you do, right? Not all of it will become obligatory upon you. At once. When you become married, now you have to learn about what is the fiqh and what is the laws of a marriage, rights of wife, rights of husband. When you start a business, when you go for hajj, if you are fulfilling the criteria for zakat, now that knowledge becomes farth on you, right? So there's no end to the knowledge, right? But when it comes to, let's get like what Yusuf said as well, right? It's one of the most dangerous things to get wrong. But as far as experiential knowledge is concerned, um, you know, the question that we asked earlier, what's the difference between a sin that you're committing as a result of influence of your nafs or a sin that you're committing as a result of the influence of shaitan, okay? Um, uh, before I answer that question, right, we had the miraj. I mentioned this also a couple of times in the past month. The Prophet wasallam, right, on the sixth heaven, right, as far as what has been transmitted to us, he met with Sayyidina Musa salam. And then afterwards, right, he met with Ibrahim salam on the seventh heaven. After that, he had the experience with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have full iman in whatever happened there, right, without having to make a fuss about the details, right? It's part of our iman. Um, on the way back, right, we have transmission that Musa salatu wasalam had a conversation. What happened? And amongst the things that the Prophet was gifted as a part of that out of amazing experience was salat, right? 50 times a day. Right? Which, by the way, is salah is the only hukum of the sharia which was not given through wahi from Jibreel to the Prophet on this earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the Prophet outside of the realm of this dunya to give salah, which is something that we should not be taking lightly at all. But 50 salah. Musa gives his opinion right, and advises, you know what, your ummah, 50 is going to be difficult. Go and ask to have it reduced. So nine laps later, nine trips later, it's reduced to five. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, arhamur rahimin, right? Man bil hasanati falahu ashra amthaliha, right? One good deed multiplies the reward of it by ten. Five salah a day, I'm going to give you the reward as if you prayed 50 times a day. Now the question, right, is, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the question, who is higher in rank? 
Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Sayyidina Rasulullah, or Musa alayhi salam. Who has more perfect knowledge? Who has more knowledge? Who has the greater ummah? Bani Israel or Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Why did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi take Musa alayhi salam's opinion in the first place then? What does Musa alayhi salam have here? Experience that the Prophet up until that time did not have. Experience. Okay. And so I was at an event yesterday in New York, and I mentioned this example, and an uncle came up to me, one of the uncles came up to me, said that I disagree with that. I disagree with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa having higher rank than Musa alayhi salatu wa salam. The conversation didn't make it that far, right? So I asked him why. So I asked him why. He said because um, Allah says in Surah Nisa, we don't differentiate between any of the messengers. So again, I had to kind of show him, and it was like too easy. It was like lunch meat. It was too easy, right? I was like, do you know what the verse is talking about? It's talking about Bani Israel, and they're rejecting some prophets. And by the way, the first ayah of the third juz, right? And that was it. I just, it's not even that funny, but that's the, that's the, that's the story. Right? Was, but, he, was he convinced? <laughs> he was convinced, though. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like an innocent mistake, but it's actually a big mistake. <laughs> no, people don't know. I mean, that's an aqidah issue. <laughs> that's an aqidah issue. It's, it's, issue it's a mistake that a lot of people make when they're trying to um, make Islam seem less exclusive. By the mm. way, oh, so yeah. so they use that in their in their so-called dawah, yeah. which is dawah to unto what, right? Yeah. What are you inviting <laughs> to? Yeah. You need to make dawah to yourself. It's like having an. It's like uh, <laughs> well, this. It's like you're working for a sneaker company. You work for Nike, and you want to say, well, you know, Adidas, Adidas and Nike is all the good. same. Right? Yeah. I even have a pamphlet that says, I have a Nike pamphlet that says, all sneakers are the yeah, same. That's right. <laughs> it's like, go, out, go to those people in their trade, what mm. they're trying to peddle themselves as, whether it's an author, a doctor, he's just making himself distinct. On his CV and his resume, Uncle, Uncle he's distinguishing himself. I can guarantee you that. Right? There's, there's another page in my pamphlet that says that people who wear Nikes, people who wear Adidas, people who Pumas. wear Pumas, all will have reward yeah. at the end of at the end of their run. They're all going to have a great sponsorship. They, they can all do it. Yeah. So if the, you brought up so uh, this person oh, yeah. didn't know. This person didn't know that I had. I knew the verse that he yeah. was referring to. So what I'm, the point that I'm making um, is experience carries weight. Right. Experience carries weight. I mean, for all the examples we talked about, the gym trainer, we talked about physical fitness. Um, you know, we can even stretch into fic the concept of taqlid, right? Following scholarship and trained expertise. Experience carries weight. Okay. Yeah. Um, so experience, though, with regards to what? Specialization, right? Specialization is what? Something that not everybody knows, something that not everybody understands, things that are distinct and unique for people in that field, right? You have jargon, you have certain terms, and you have certain language and terminology that not everybody. And so now, um, you know, how do you deal with these things, right? So someone, for example, has like a case study. Let me present a case study. Anger, right? The Prophet ﷺ mentioned many ahadith about anger. Okay? And I'll finally answer the question, what's the difference between a sin that you're committing as a result of your nafs and a sin that you're committing as a result of shaitan? Right? There's no verse of the Qur'an explaining that answer or clear hadith explaining that answer. But we know that we are supposed to deal with both of those things. Um, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ about anger, if you're standing up, you should sit down. If you're sitting down, you should lie down. You should do wudu or you should drink water. You should do something to cool down. 
what if a person has tried all of those things as people like kind of email all the time and they still can't control their temper <laughs> they can't control their temper right it's an issue right um now what do you do does that mean that the hadith of the prophet sallallahu <laughs> is not authentic or not true or not haq or that the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu is not a source of guidance and answer no again understanding that these are human conditions right and you have to now get these questions answered and get this guidance from people who have dealt with humans hmm. people who have had experience and interaction with 100 people 500 people 1000 people who have had anger management issues right and have been able to deal with them right? to you done? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just to extend on that, it's also uh, <laughs> sorry. To, to extend on that, it's also what uh, um, Muin brought up, where it's like, how do you know that you have this defect in the first place? So you, you know, someone may come to you and say, "I have mm-hmm. an anger problem," but another person may come to you not knowing he has an anger problem, and you could say, "You got an anger problem." <laughs> so that's that's, a, a, that's yeah. experience, right? You have textbook knowledge, right? That's the difference between someone who's just out of med school now, just started practicing, and someone who's been practicing, working in a hospital, and doing work as a surgeon for fifty years. Right? Same textbooks they probably covered, aside from certain advancements or whatever. That It's the same subject, but experience carries weight. Right? And this is the case with the Sahaba, and this is why our deen is so practical in that way. Okay, You have a person who has dealt with 100 different people who have this anger issue. Um, one possible treatment at that point, right? the sunnah remedies are not working. The sunnah remedies are meant to be like a shot. They're meant to be like an espresso shot. Sometimes people need intensive care. Right? Like quarantine, sometimes people um, need to have their sociological, psychological kind of conditions Commercial. assessed or whatever. Yeah, sometimes it's just a family problem, miscommunication, whatever it may be. But these are things that are not beef. Not, you're not going to find directly from the Quran and Sunnah. How do I get rid of this anger problem? You have to get rid of it, right? Right? You have to get rid of these problems, right, in order to perfect your iman and to perfect your Islam. But how do you do that? That comes through people who know what and they're talking about. What you, what you referenced earlier, uh, Kitabah wat Hikmah, the wisdom, is oftentimes from experience what is the correct uh, balance of religiosity in a given society, right? So the book and the wisdom. That's why we said, for example, you could read in the past, they did so much ibadah and that was considered good and normal, right? Today we might actually say less, right? And we might actually also say, that, um, you know, too little. What is too little? So, almost like in any industry, by the sheer amount of Muslims that, or people that we've seen doing this one thing, we, notice, we start noticing a pattern, right? A healthy balance is this. Or the bad extreme, the deficiency is that, and the excess is this, right? And so, when you say hikmah, and when you reference the Prophet wasallam's taking the... Um, Nasiha of Sayyidina uh, Musa alayhi salam were taken from his wisdom. And I guess we can call that Nasiha, right? Would that be called Nasiha? From Sayyidina Musa? Mashwara, mashwara, mm-hmm. right? From Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, who had been on the earth and led people before. Uh, this is basically where uh, the, the, the balance of tasawwuf and how much to do and what to do and why, it comes from this, from those societies, Muslim societies, who've seen people coming it's, in and out, right? It's results-based. In other it's words. results based. Yes, it's like it's like using exactly. your uh, you know your gym metaphor. Nobody who's starting out is going to know that doing this combination of push-ups and squats and and deadlifts is going to produce this result. Yeah. They've got to be told that right yeah. because from someone else who's done that before 
and gone through that process and, and knows that if you do this, it will lead to these results. Yeah. You, because they've gonna, seen it. You're not going to know that independently. No one could have thought it, thought it up until some they saw hundreds of people do it right. and then come with a result. Um, so the... Some of the terminology that Mufti OG used. OG clinical clinical trials. Some of the terminology that Mufti Mufti Niaz used uh, reminded me of something that I've heard from some ulama, which is they term the this science as like a type of Islamic or spiritual psychology, right? Because you're dealing with this the human the human condition in a way that law doesn't. You don't go to a lawyer if you have anger management problems. You don't go to a lawyer if you have procrastination issues. Mm, mm. You don't go to a linguist. You go to someone that specializes in behavior, yeah. a behaviorist, whether it's a psychologist or a counselor. Or life or coaching, I guess, similar concept. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and Mufti Niaz, you didn't answer the question still. Well, the, the, you difference. Know, the difference between so the spirit. You, you, you have to take bayat with the tariqa, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to accept, right, that. Right? We need the tasawwuf and tazkiyah. No. Um, so just to give an example now, right? We talked about experience and the validity of it and the need for it, right? And why, you know, we can't do without it. Um, how do you know if a sin, you're committing the sin as a result of influence of your nafs? Allah speaks about it. nas shahawat. You have desires, right? Three different categories of nafs. All that is there. But the answer to the question, how do you know that it's your nafs causing this as opposed to shaitan causing this? Ramadan is coming up, right? We have the hadith that talks about yeah. shaitan chained up during Ramadan, right? And, you know, people make memes about it and stuff. It sometimes can lead to kufr as well. But <laughs> <whole bunch> of <laughs> Minor details. A whole, whole bunch of different kind of problems, and, but whatever. Um, so someone with experience and knowledge, right? And by the way, also kind of distinguish. We have two sources of knowledge as far as the deen is concerned. We have what is called qat'i and zanni. Without becoming too... Qat'i means clear-cut, absolute. Zanni means... Um, probabilistic, right? It's not 100% the way it is. So we understand that distinction. So whatever the answer to this question is not exactly the way it is. These are things that people who are working and treating and, you know, have experience in this field, they are observing, mm. right? And they're not saying that this is wahi, and they're not saying that this is from the Prophet Wasallam's commentary. This is just observation and experience, right? Heuristic. Is that a proper <laughs> computer? Yeah, yeah. Right? So um, the nafs, right, according to the opinion of, you know, the masters of the heart, is like a child, like a stubborn child, right? And it insists on one thing and one thing only, okay? So, um, you know, you have a child, okay, toddler, um, you know, sees maybe a tea kettle or something, or mm. you just change the light bulb, right, and it's still warm, right? And you're saying to the child... Don't touch it. Be careful. It's hot. Um, but the child starts to cry. The child throws a tantrum, right? It's bright. It's shiny. Wow, cool. I want to touch it. And the parents are saying no, mm. right? That's the example of the nafs, right? It can't do anything else or focus on anything else until it satisfies that desire, right? Lust, right? Addiction, right? Whatever it may be. Shaitan. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what's his name in... Uh... Lord of the Rings, Gollum. Gollum, exactly. Yeah. Gollum. I said that you Gollum. can never trust him, right? <laughs> Likewise, you can never trust the nefs. Yeah. How much victimization yeah. as he does? I'm a victim <laughs> like this. Well, the ring in that in that story represents the temptation, right? Mm. People, the people who have control over it yeah. and, and don't succumb to it, and people that don't, like Gollum. Gollum. And they, <laughs> they and if you don't, control, you end up in a fire, right? Yeah. yeah, you end up like eating raw fish in a cave or somewhere. <laughs> Sur- <yeah>. Sur- <laughs> 
Yeah, well, because throughout that, you're, there are moments where you feel like you want to have sympathy for Gollum, right? And you feel bad. It's so mm-hmm. pathetic, but you can't. You can't trust him for a second, an instant. Likewise, is the Nuffs. Question, by the way, just as I know, just curious. J.R. Tolkien, is he... Like influenced Catholic. by C.S. Lewis yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, around yes, the same time, was like best friends yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tolkien, Tolkien actually was the person that brought C.S. Lewis back from from uh, atheism and occultism, yeah. and brought him back to Christianity. Yeah, very, very potent references in oh, that entire both series. Oh, Narnia mm-hmm. too. Yeah, Narnia too. I mean, well, these guys were. Was, uh, there was one series that was like the opposite of that. Nor- Oh, the Golden Compass or something, right? Mm. I don't know. That was supposed to be like the anti-Christian story. Oh, uh, well, Narnia. You... Narnia was the... No, no Narnia is his no. friend. No, no, Narnia that. is not C.S. Lewis. No, Narnia is C.S. Narnia is C.S. Lewis. Narnia is C.S. Lewis. Is it? Is it? Tolkien is Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> there was one, there's a story that's like completely the antithesis of this. It's like oh. it's like an anti-Christ story or whatever. The screw tape letters? Screw tape. That was. I have to get those. That was a fantastic book. Not read them, man. Fantastic book. It's it's it's. So C.S. Lewis is like someone. He's a Christian, but he was like someone who was doing muraqaba on himself for a dozen years before he wrote that, because he addresses. He he really points out all of the tricks of the shaitan on the human being, on the religious person, on the irreligious person. It's it's really, it's really I, I think it's a great book for anybody to read, right? Regardless, well, because, I, I know sheikhs that recommend it. Yeah, because uh, shaitan attacks all people. So right? that's that's the second part. So shaitan, the mm. difference between shaitan and the nafs, nafs is like a stubborn child. Shaitan mm. doesn't care what type of sin you commit, right? Okay, you're in the masjid, and there's like a waste of there's a conversation, there's a gathering going on, and maybe there's backbending, some other types of inappropriate things happening in that gathering. So you leave. But as soon as you leave, you see something that you're not supposed to st- look at, or you end up looking at the wrong thing, or you end up doing an impermissible stare, or you have some other type of sin that you end up committing. That's shaitan. So, it's not a specific sin. It's not insisting on one thing. It's just getting you to slip up no matter what, however he can. So the nafs tries to kick down the front door, and shaitan is trying to find a way through one of the windows. One of the examples in the screw tape letter that's exactly this is yeah. there's a guy who's going to, he's, he's going to church a lot regularly, and he thinks about visiting his mother. So the instruction from the big shaitan to the little one that's assigned to that guy is when he goes to see his mother, remind him to tell her why doesn't she go to church, mm. right? So that he can drive a wedge between the mo- based on religion. Wow. So use this person's religiosity to yeah. drive a wedge between him wow. and his mother. Right. There's another Swam. another great story in in the Screw Tape Letters where you know the the shaitan he tells the younger shaitan you know the that he he's um, so the story is really about uh, it, it follows uh, a. A devil writing letters to his uncle. All right, don't tell me because I'm about to order it right now. You don't. You don't need. Uh, it, it's not like it's a giveaway. Right? Okay. <laughs> There's no twist. No, spoil it. <laughs> There's no spoilers. No, because I thought the whole thing Spoiler was alert. actual collection of uh, letters. It's le- so it's letters between a small devil and his uncle. Oh, okay. And the small devil is assigned. A, uh, a a human to basically you know uh, trick and screw. and, and, and screw yeah, yeah exactly so, so there's this one example uh, he says you know where the human has you know religious friends so he he has materialist friends right so uh, uh, they're rich they don't go to church so often so he's thinking about not having those friends right so you know the the devil just continues to trick him on and say you know to insist that he continues to have these friends because. He's going to think inside of his heart that you know, uh, p- 
perhaps I may get these people to come to the church and, and inside of his heart he's going to think that I'm better than these people, yeah. right? So he's like, have him continue to go to church while at the same time sinning with the materialist friends yeah. because he's going to have inside of his heart that it's I'm a, still better than these people because at least I go to church. It's right? a toxic combination. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a great, so great So again, going back story. to like the yeah. three people in the Hadith, right? doing the right thing but for the wrong reason. Well, one, one of the uh, uh, things about that is that uh, when it comes to Iblis and these things, and why is it that you go into many traditions in the world and you see many similar things? It's because these shayateen, they attack everyone, right? and they want to do, do general destruction of humanity, not just of aqidah of Islam, is that uh, a lot of these, their tricks are self-evident. They're just by experience in life. I mean, you look at Shakespeare, and he's got Macbeth, right? And he's got Othello. And all that is, there's so many things that... Like, oh, wow, he, he wrote about these. Why? Because it's self-evident, right? It happens in all societies and all cultures. You know? Right. And then uh, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, you know the idea of the word tasawwuf and taskiya. I feel like there's almost been like a hijacking of the word itself. And now people are afraid of even using the word Sufi or using the word tasawwuf. Like, why has that actually happened? Yeah. They're also afraid of using the word Islam and truth, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it's politically incorrect. It's the, the, even in many Muslim, Islam is the truth, right? Is something in many academic circles of Muslims. They're like, no, 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 Islam is a truth. It would be embarrassing. <laughs> they, it would be embarrassing to them. If you were, if it would be embarrassing to them. Right, that that statement. So I'm actually going to cite a post by Dr. Shadi, and I'm going to name drop another scholar if I can, Sheikh Yasser Qadi. He uh, basically um, retweeted, not retweeted, whatever it is for Facebook, right? He shared shared his post, and he was like, you know, uh, Dr. Shadi was criticizing some of the later practices in Tassoul, and Sheikh Yasser was like, uh, you know, you know, we have early scholars who wrote about Tassoul, and he's like, and if this is what you call Tassoul, sign me up. This is what he said. He said the problem is is what's happened in the later ages, right? So I think that's kind of to answer your question is certain practices developed over time. Some of our scholars accepted them. Some of them did not. And now that term, Tosov, has been basically the image that comes to mind is the um, practices you see, let's say, definitely in the subcontinent. I'm sure it's in a lot of other places too where you have practices that not all of the ulama agree on. Right? I, I have a way to, to put it. If National Geographic would put it in their magazine, right, it's goofism. If they wouldn't, it's Sunnah. Right? Oh, my goodness. Because that's what they're after, right? Oh, yeah. That's what National Geographic yeah. is like after. Like razor blades in mouse. Like, you know. Snakes, yeah. fires. Or Reza Aslan. Remember Reza him? Aslan. Oh, that, that, that's one of the best litmus tests. May Allah guide him and us, right? I mean, I mean. Because, uh, to both. my guide us all. But uh, someone like him, if they would approve of something, it's goof. Right? Uh, for any new podcast listener who's never heard, uh, the term goofia is the term for Sufis who have left you know, the, the path of uh, Sharia. Uh, and so we've termed them the goofia. I actually, in my, in, if you go to my Twitter and you go to the media, I actually have the... Uh, mascot of the Goofia. Did you see it? No. What is the mascot oh, of the man. Goofia? Open your open your Twitter. Oh. Actually, I have it here. I have my Twitter. Oh, by the way, I, I do have a Twitter. I'm not going to announce what my screen name is, but I follow you guys. Oh, okay. So I deleted my whole Twitter, created a new one, just so I can secretly follow all you. Guys. You know but that I I made I a quiet. I made a measurement on Twitter, and I realized <laughs> that because I'm on to something these days is that it's really important. I think we miss uh, we we don't give it enough, and, and that is seeing your heart how your heart feels right. 
And uh, when I open Twitter, I find my heart is filled with fire, right? <laughs> like acid, anger, right? So I get off of it. I mean, I'm on it, but I mean, I don't really... It's like when you're angry, you know, get off Twitter. This is no good. <laughs> this is really no good. Upload and don't look, right? So that we'll... happens sometimes when I'm, you know, not leading Juma, but I'm sitting in a Juma football. Oh. Right? <laughs> Depending on who's giving it. There was a thread that Dr. Shedley mentioned. I want to pull on that thread before we move on to the specifics that we talked about. He talked about sometimes where you have to have hikmah, right? Hikmah. And now it just that occurred to my mind that sometimes... What fiqh would dictate may not be the right thing to do in that moment. And I just thought of an example uh-huh. yesterday. Absolutely. Is that... Uh, then it's not right fiqh. Th- this, well, it's misunderstood. Yeah. Misunderstood fiqh. Yeah. Misunderstood fiqh. So a lady, basically, she got angry yesterday because I guess the ladies' prayer rows were not in a separate room from the men. They were behind them, and there was sufficient space. It's probably a good 30, 40 feet, right? But she thought... You know, this is not right because the Prophet tells them, he, you know, the ladies should pray in the innermost part of their house or whatever, or they should go in some secluded room. Where if you present that to probably the average person today, that would be a big turnoff to them. And I think wisdom may not entail, you know, presenting that to each lady that you come across in a masjid, right? Mm-hmm. So this, I, I guess I'm asking the question is, wisdom in this case, how, how do you relate, let's say, how, how do you relate not communicating, let's say, a teaching of fit or... Uh... Uh, this goes back to what we've talked about, I think, where we talk about human conditions and being able to understand the human aspect of it. And this is what suhbah is. These were the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were. So, I mean, the example about fasting comes to mind. The, the Prophet sallallahu two people came and asked for permission to kiss their... This is... I always get in trouble for sharing this example, right? But um, please appreciate the example, right? And inshallah... Uh, those of us who are struggling to get married, inshallah, we make do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, find righteous spouses and protect all our families, inshallah. But the Prophet sallallahu two people came to him. Both of them asking for permission to kiss their wives while fasting. One of them, Prophet sallallahu said no. Mm, and the other one, the Prophet sallallahu said yes. And then, you know, the commentary, uh, the rest of the narration and the explanation is that one of them was an elder person. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about anything yeah. afterwards. Experience. But right. the other second person was a younger person, right? Recently married, perhaps. And, you know, it would one thing would lead to another thing. Yeah. So that's, like, ultimately a thick issue is that kissing doesn't break your fast, right? right? But it can become disliked or, you know... Harmless, depending on who you are. So that's the wisdom element of it applied to the thick ruling that doesn't break your fast. There's also, uh, for balance's sake, likewise, uh, sometimes in rulings and answering questions, just like you said, there's one that's attributed to Hassan Basri, it's attributed to Imam Malik, attributed to Ibn Abbas. We don't really know who it's really attributed to, but the idea is that a man came asked if murder is forgivable, and he, he said yes. He would be forgiven if he committed murder. Another, and then another man came. He said, "No, it's not forgiven." So the students asked him why he answered differently, and he said, "One man had already committed murder, right? And he uh, is halat. He can, he's already did it. So you need to open a door of hope. Another one, he's about to do it, right? He was so angry, and he, he if you say yes, he's going to kill. So I said no, right? And that goes to show that when you answer a question, right?" You have to consider the person in front of you. And recently, the other day, I was came up. A, a, a sister came up in in a talk I just gave her and her mom, and she's like a young high school girl. 
and she looked like she was, you know, pra- uh, like very interested in Islam, and and she knows her deen. She knew she had been to, uh, you know, had knowledge, uh, uh, was aware of things. But she had one thing that her mom said. She said, this is a great girl, but she has one thing. She loves Ellen. The Ellen, Jennings. like the, the show. Oh my goodness. The girl, the woman herself. Oh, she wa- she loves okay. the woman herself. Okay, okay, right. And so the mom is saying, and we fight about this all the time. And I tell her she's a symbol of fasha wal munkar, right? <laughs> right? And, and all these things. And you can't love her. So you give us the ruling. So here, my, I'm stuck, right? So I said, look, if she recognized... And, and the girl's defense was, well, she also does a lot of charity work. She helps against bullying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now, what am I going to do now? Am I going to fuel the f- f- fire of this thing between the mom and the daughter? Right? It's not going to work. You can't yank someone out of someone's heart like this. So I said, listen, if the girl, she seems like she knows her dean, right? This young, you know, young lady, she knows her dean. She says, I know what's wrong, and I don't love what's wrong that she does, only what's good. So I said, well, I said to the mom, if she, that's, she's making that criteria, I think you could just you know, leave her alone, right? Because she has that criterion. Now the mom was like, oh, I thought you would, I'm surprised. I thought you would uh, support me. I was like, look, I would support you if she didn't even know about Ellen to begin with, right? <laughs> But she's already in love. You cannot yank out of people's heart the love of someone else. So this it is, can only leave by itself. But so at least she's protected from the dangers of it by having knowledge, rationally objective knowledge, that these things I have a boundary. Right. So so this is the applied hikmah that we're talking right. about. And again, so many more examples right from this. And by the way, Hassan Basi rahmatullah probably uh, accredited as being one of the first people to actually end up formulating this as a science from the generation of the Tabi'in. Mm. And then after the hymn, Junaid al-Baghdadi, mm. rahimahullah. Did they meet? They didn't meet, though. I can't remember off yeah. the top. I don't think so. But they are, again, yeah. Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, right, in his own right. Mm. right. So again, these are people that are well known to have legit 100% commitment to the Sharia and to the fiqh. Right? You can't get the fiqh wrong. Right, and just be a good person, right? Well, that that all goes back to the goal. The goal. And that is being good servants of Allah. And that is in all spheres, as a dad, as an employee, as a neighbor, right? So, because a lot of people, if if they think that the whole goal is purifying the heart, then why should I really care about the plumbing in the house? Why should I really care about... Mm you know, making an Islamic banking system or something. You know, you know, Sheikh, that's one of the things that um, I think a good, a good analogy for that is if somebody just says, I just want to be good to my kids and they don't understand what is actually good for them, right? There's no rules of what's going to benefit the child. They're going to give them candy. They're going to let them stay up late at night. They're not going to make them go to school. They're going to, I just want to make my child happy. This is the idea of the person who's, I just want to be kind and good without having the, the, the parameters that are set by the Sharia. Reminds me of, uh, the age old societies are so different than the American society, right? In that the age-old society, what is the difference? They're, they're all human beings, but the age-old society, I'm talking about India, China, Egypt, Iraq. These societies, they've been around the block. They know what leads to happiness. The pre-modern world. Yeah, right? yeah. They, need, they know what leads to happiness and what leads to destruction. What leads to happiness is family ties, study and work hard, go to sleep early, right? Whereas the, new, the newer civilizations they seem... At, no, yeah, go ahead. They're like indulgent. They look at absolute happiness, right? Yeah. Because there's another thing that you recognize that that happiness is not contingent on always being happy. Yeah. For example, like somebody who's who's trying to be a 
like let's say trying to become a doctor. They have to go through years and years of study, painful study, and out the other end of it, then then they're successful. They're successful doctors. They may even you know lead happy careers. But they went through a period of of, of time that was not that were not happy by all by all measures. And so, are you looking at absolute happiness? I need to be happy all the time because that's ultimately going to lead to some sadness. Then, yeah. right? That's going to lead to unhappiness. Yeah. Whereas having some balance of okay, how are we even defining happiness? Like a general happiness. Yeah. Does, do I need to feel good all the time? That might not be true. And I think what you're calling out is that society today seems to uh, embrace and almost promote the idea of absolute happiness at all times mm. at the expense of any sort of future gain or benefit or, or even detriment yeah that's a myth and and there's a there's a difference between uh like entertainment right mm. and like peace right, right. like uh, this is one <laughs> thing that, not only is there a difference they're diametrically opposed so so because i mean in, in modern times i mean and we're distracting a little from from the topic but like in modern times many people seem to confuse both of these right <laughs> which is you know i'm at a you know a, a ball game with my with my boys you know that means i'm happy yeah. right <laughs> but you know so it's like it's confusing like right. the idea of entertainment with happiness right whereas in islam you could be crying i mean this is really interesting you could be crying in salah you're crying the physical uh, idea is 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 tears but you're in, in peace, right? So it's not about you know like the the outward form of what you're doing. It's a, it's the internal state, right? Yeah. Well, so the the thing I was going to say, I've heard, and I can't confirm this from personal experience, but I've I've heard from people that have achieved things, that have been places, that have experienced things, that those who really draw close to Allah through the zikr, through the work, through the muraqabah, through the watching oneself. And eliminating this, the outward sins and the inward sins from their life, and embracing the obligatory outward actions and the obligatory inward states, that there is a there's a sakina, there's a, a state of peace and true happiness from these people who have Allah is always present for them. The way that some that maybe for one moment in our Ramadan salah we really feel like Allah is present for us, like we really have the presence of mind with Allah, these people go through every moment of their day that way, and they have real, they've actually achieved something. Right, right, we, exactly. So, I mean, I, I want to take this moment to, uh, you know, break for the part one. Uh, so one thing I want to say at the end of this episode is, uh, you know, go to www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash S-S podcast. Uh, if you you know uh, have enjoyed you know some of the episodes or you know gain any knowledge to uh, you know uh, benefit from you know please do donate to the team uh, as I mentioned in the last episode we do have you know uh, mostly you know all volunteer staff uh, you know all of the work that's done for the educational facility uh, online offline the podcast everything is done by volunteers so please do donate at uh, patreon.com slash ss podcast. Now, the part two version is going to be the hardcore version of part one, so return. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So now that we've established the importance of all this, <laughs> Mo- Moin, can we just clarify something? So that any Patreon donation, it goes to the production of the show, not to not to, the not to compensation or, or anything like that. Right? Correct, correct. It's yeah. not going to compensation to pay any of us anything. Yeah. It's going to go to the production of this show um, uh, and episodes and content and, and, and things like that. Right. So uh, please don't do donate patreon.com slash SS podcast. Uh, Stick around for part two. Now that we've set up the foundation for what is the definition of Tasawwuf, now we go get into the hardcore stuff that I'm sure many of you have been waiting for. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.